Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Will you pray with me? Spirit, as we breathe this day, we draw you into our bodies, into our minds, into our hearts, into our hands and feet, that we may be your love in the world. Open our ears, open our hearts to hear the right word for this day. Amen. As we begin this uh, week, or as I think of where we're at uh, this past week, as I've moved and lived, uh, I've noticed such incredible division in our world, in our country, in our province, in our city, in our homes, in our churches, and division and tension between opposites seems to be so real and so prevalent right now. But it's also a week when I have been doing a lot of wondering. Wondering. You know, I've often said you've got to hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, and our job is to hold the two texts, the life text and the biblical text, and try to see what is the message of the both and how do they relate to our lives. Well, this week's been so hard. You know, when you look at the newspaper, listen to the news, it seems to be division, division, division. Just this morning, front page of the Globe and Mail is a picture of a nine-year-old girl with a, with a message, and she's saying, please, world, we need oxygen. And as you look at the stats in India, and you see that just yesterday on Wednesday, they had 4, 000, just over 4,000 deaths in that country alone due to COVID. And here they are seeking to breathe, just like we have echoes back to a year ago, June, when we heard about uh, George Floyd saying, I can't breathe. And you see again this, I would say, global racism, where a country is calling out just simply to breathe. And I wonder, how is it that people can be short of oxygen in 2021? And then I think about our own province and, uh, and look at how Premier Kenny, now he's, he's not necessarily the person I voted for, but he's leading the province to the best of his ability, uh, and yet he's had death threats, and his mother has had death threats. And I wonder to myself, how is it that people can rise up and say they want to kill a leader? And then I was uh, riding my bike and came up right behind a pickup truck in Calgary, and the little sticker on the back said, Vomit Nenshi. And I, got, I had to squint a little bit. Did it really say that? Vomit Nenshi. Who puts a sticker on the back of their pickup to say, vomit Nenshi? And again, a leader doing their very best in difficult days, and we see them as barf. Or then as I've been riding my way around the city, coming across graffiti, where I, I saw a piece under a bridge that, that said, uh, no mask, uh, no lockdown, no freedom, F, COVID. And I think to myself, how do people think that this whole pandemic is about freedom? And I wonder, how did you ever come to that conclusion? And then in the many different conversations, either live or online, I heard of six different families wrestling with loved ones, a, a spouse or a sibling or a parent who are opposing views about lockdowns and masks and vaccines. Should I get it? Should I not? And the tension is just stretching people apart. And I wonder, how did we get to this place? I wonder. 
And then the church is not immune to this. There was an article in the Globe and Mail this week, anti-lockdown protesters arrested in Alberta. And perhaps you heard the story about uh, two street preachers, uh, part of churches, so-called churches anyway, where they have defiantly opposed the restrictions that have been opposed upon us. And then the article concludes after these two have been arrested by Mr. Fildebrandt, uh, Wild Rose MLA, who, who says at the end of the article, I reject the idea of the health restrictions. I don't see that they were put in place for the greater good. I don't believe it's the common good to bankrupt people, destroy businesses, and destroy, destroy livelihoods. So even the church or people in religious communities are such. No wonder people beyond the church or religious communities think we're crazy. And I wonder how is it that this person could say that defying public health restrictions is the right thing to do. So you see, I've been scratching my head a lot. I've been scratching so much, I actually scratched my beard right off my face this week, wondering, wondering about our world, our country, our province, our city, our homes, and our churches, if we wonder our way through this pandemic. But what caught my eye in Fildebrand's statement was two words, the common good. And I wonder to myself, the common good is so much a part of a religious, faithful tradition, religious and non-religious, but grounded deeply in religion. What is the common good during COVID? What is the common good we are called to? And here's a definition that I came up with this week. Common good is the conditions necessary for everyone, everyone to flourish. It is not a utopian ideal or something to be imposed by one group or another. The common good promotes human dignity, relationships, participation, and stewardship. It insists that everyone is included and no one is left behind. This task is too big for governments alone. We all have a responsibility towards each other. So you see the common good talks about a responsibility we have for ourselves and for others as a common good where no one is left aside. What strikes me in this is this is the ethic of the Bible. From beginning to end, you will hear stories about the concern for the widow, for the orphan, for the other, and to see the other as part of you. It's no wonder it is central when Jesus taught people to love their neighbors as themselves and treat others as they would be like to be treated. He was teaching people to seek the common good. When Paul said, do not seek your own personal interests alone, but the interests of others, he was teaching the common good. When John said, since God so loved us so much, we ought to love one another, he was teaching the common good. When Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you do it to me, he was inviting the common good. When Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money, he was teaching the common good. The common good teaches us to seek the best for everyone, being the least, last, or lonely, the most vulnerable and the most forgotten, including all is what the common good is. And so I say to myself, this is the call we have to have concern for the common good. And that is the ethic that we should be about. It's like at the end of Matthew's gospel when, when Jesus says, I was naked, and you clothed me, I was hungry, and you fed me, 
I was thirsty and you gave me drink. And the disciples say, when did you see it that way? And Jesus said, when you did it unto me, then you did it unto one another. And so you see, the common good is essential to our lives and how we live our life. The common good is what we are called to be about in the living of our lives. So that may be a lot of theological gobbledygook. How does this make sense for you now in your life and mine? You know, one of the highlights of my week is a Wednesday book study. I've decided that if I really want to read a book now and into the future, I have to do it as a group because it is the group understanding that helps me see what I can't see, hear what I can't hear, and the sharing of the stories. In the book, See No Stranger, a memoir and manifest of revolutionary love, Valerie Kaur, a Sikh woman, helps us understand what she's calling us to and calling us to love. The story is about a woman who has uh, not only experienced racism, but abuse, and invites people to love themselves, their opponents, and others. And it is in this story that we learn how to do this task. The book begins with wonder. And I believe wonder is the key to all of this. And wonder is the key to the common good. Let me read for a moment what she says about this. She talks about one of the, the gods in the Sikh religion. And I love, I'm learning so much about a faith I knew nothing about. She says, my favorite was an or, a creation story, an origin story of Guru Nanak, the first teacher of the Sikh faith. Five centuries ago, the story goes, halfway around the world in the village of Punjab on the Indian subcontinent, there lived a young man named Nanak. He was deeply troubled by the violence around him, Hindus and Muslims in turmoil. One day, he disappeared on the bank of the river for three days. I love that in their tradition, three days is symbolic of transformation. People thought he was dead and drowned, but Nanak emerged on the third day with a vision of oneness, the oneness of humanity and of the world. This vision threw him out into the state of an ecstatic wonder, and he began singing songs of devotions called the Shabbats, praising the divine within him and around him. In other words, he was in love. Love made him see with new eyes, see everyone around him, was part of him that he did not know yet. I see no stranger, said Guru Nanak. I see no enemy. Guru Nanak taught us all that we could see the world this way. There is a voice inside each of us that calls us. This voice invites us to delete separateness, but to see us one to the other connected. It resides in the bowl that holds our individual consciousness. But separateness is an illusion. When we quiet the chatter in our heads through music or meditation, recitation or song, the boundaries begin to disappear. The bowl breaks. For a moment, we taste the sweet truth as nectar, as part of one another. Joy rushes in. Long after the moment passes, we can choose to remember the truth of our interconnectedness, that we belong one to another. We can choose to see no stranger. This book is about wondering and to seeing the other as part of us. 
You are the part of me I do not know. And what I'm loving in this book and in the conversations during the midweek on Wednesdays is that we are discovering through our sacred sharing and our stories that we all have stories, all of us have stories of pain. And it is in the sharing of them in a vulnerable state that we begin to be healed. Richard Rohr says that when pain isn't transformed, it is transmitted. He writes, when we leave people alone with their pain and their alienation, it becomes a precondition for radicalization. But listening to people's pain, we can help them transform it. You see, listening to our opponent, and think of the opponent on your mind right now, listening doesn't grant the other side legitimacy. It grants them humanity, and it preserves our own humanity. To listen to an opponent, opponent is to seek to understand them, not to change them, not to persuade them, not to compromise with them or to legitimize them. Listening to our opponents preserves their humanity and our own. You see, I think it does begin with deep listening. And that's why we are so opposed and so closed to the other. And I believe that's why there's so much division in our world, in our country, in our province, in our city, and even in our very homes. Because in times like this, we just want to close it all off. We just want to react. We want to shut down. We want to call out when indeed the religious faithful path calls us to deep, deep listening to the other and listening with a mind and heart to wonder. You know, we're living in this, what we call liminal space, this time uh, that is sort of t tension, this languishing space of fog and disorder as we're not quite through this pandemic. And in this tension place, we are struggling and we're struggling to really listen to one another. But I believe the listening and the wondering is what will get us through and through in good grace. This is super hard work. This is very hard work that we're living in right now. But I believe Valerie Kuhler is right when we're called to see the other as part of us. I believe Jesus is right when he calls us to love one another. And I believe it begins with deep listening and wondering and trying to understand each other to love. Valerie Kaur calls this a labor of love. I'm not a woman and I've never had a baby, but those who know labor know that it's hard and messy and challenging. But it calls us to be curious, to welcome the unknown, and to trust that we are not alone in this journey. And so for me, while we're living in deep division right now, there is a call to pause and to be curious and to wonder. And in our listening, in our deep, deep listening to the other, perhaps love will be born. May God be with us this week. And may you find space in your life to wonder with someone, not to fix them or change them or argue against them, but simply to love and to love them as we love ourselves, our opponents, and others. May God, who is love, come alive in your listening and mine.
Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.